Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. This week, contrary to, you know, everything that we said last week, we did not watch Big Pig in the City. It was fake news. It was lies. Lies. Alternative facts. So what we decided to do this week instead was because it is our 52nd 52nd episode. This is so hard for me to believe. That we are going to do our one year in review podcasting and media watching. Ta-da! It's our end of the year show. Award show. We but should be winning Texas. Not gonna, I'm not giving awards. I'm not even putting things in numerical order. But we're going to talk about some of our favorite things this year. Uh, we're a month early, so we're getting in before the crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think let us start with cinematic films, films in the cinema, cinema. in the cinema, <laughs> cinema. in the theater. <laughs> so these are going to be uh, the movies that we saw in the theater that we, I'm going to say, liked the best. That are our favorites. These right. are not. We're not judging them. This is they not, are the, not ten the best. best. List, right. If I was going to list the best movies I'd seen this year, it would be a different list. Some mm-hmm. of the things might also be on there, but uh, we're going to only do three things because we don't want to take up all of the time forever. What I will say is, in compiling my list earlier today, uh, Wikipedia had 263 movies on their uh, films released in 2018. Now, it's not an extensive li- or expansive. Nope. What's the word that means all exhaustive? In- it's not an exhaustive list. Inclusive, even. Professional writer, ladies and gentlemen. I noticed. <laughs> shut up. I noticed that, for instance, Mandy is not on the list, mm. so it doesn't have everything. Now, Mandy wasn't going to be on my list because I haven't seen it, but. Of the 263 movies that it lists that came out this year, I have seen 48 of them. Wow. That's a healthy number of movies. We've been very active with the movie watching now. At the theater. We have. Uh, the movie pass slash AMC thing right. is helpful. So it's we're like going every like week. once a week. Right. Uh, one, also, at least once a week. Some of these movies we've seen here on, mm-hmm. as a rental right. Tomb Raider, Red Sparrow, which is halfway done, and yeah. I gave myself the point. Uh, and we needed a sexual like assault that. break. Yeah, that movie is... That film is exhausting. There's a lot rough. of... Yes, it is. And so I, I want to get through the second half of it, but... We It's... Yeah. For sure. No, I've, I've intentionally not chosen movies that you've chosen. Oh. Which is something that I've done because I don't want to... There's only three choices. Right. So the thing is, I feel like some of the movies that you're going to say are represented and I don't want to, you know... Yeah, and we've talked about some right. of these before. We're not going to recap them. That's not what we're doing. Mm-mm. We're just going to give broad strokes and move the fuck on. Because <laughs> y'all are tired of hearing about our, what we have to say. I don't think that's true. You wouldn't listen. You have choices. You got a button right I'm there. I'm glad you're turn here. Us on. Uh, I like so you. So in... Alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. Oh, my three. So just because that's the order that Excel put them in. So. Okay. Uh, my three favorite movies of 2018 are A Quiet Place, A Simple Favor, and Blind Spotting. Now, why don't you tell me why you like these ones just briefly? You know, I was looking at the list of the movies that I'd seen, and there are some very good movies on there that I would definitely watch again and have mm-hmm. definitely watched again. Black Panther, 
uh, I'd see Black Klansman again. Right. Um, the Incredibles 2 was on there. I really liked a, the Halloween a movie. a really fun movie. Uh, I'll watch Ready Player One again. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. I know everyone. It's not good. But I'd watch it again. I'd watch The Meg again. You know, the uh, Widows was super good. I right, really loved just it. Saw Widows. But they just spoke to me the most with these are the movies that I enjoyed. I like a simple favor I enjoyed very much. Right. I just really liked watching it. I liked everything that was happening. I think part of it was not knowing what was what I was watching. Right. Uh and then having it just be so And this is something that we've discussed before. The trailers to films nowadays yes. tell far too much of the story. I really Alita Battle Angel. I've seen you. Oh. I don't need to see you anymore. Lemuel has not seen you because he can't him. look at your I, weird eyes without getting people, sick. Which is weird for, for those of you in the audience. I like women with very large eyes. Barbara Steele, Olivia Wilde. It comes to a point, though, this is just Well, it's just the Uncanny Valley. Over. And just, my brain like is able to look at that right. image and go, oh, it's a cartoon, so it's fine. I actually, Even though it's you know supposed to be quote unquote real, it's right. not. The last Y'all, film CGI still means animated. That we, CGI is in this case. CGI. I had to actually get up and leave the theater because I'm like, I, this is a great time to. Every to watch time it. it comes on, and it's been on in front of every oh, movie we've God. seen for the last month and a half or so. He has to close his eyes, it and then the, I tell him when star it's is all born clear. Of our generation. Oh Lord! <laughs> it's just like so. I, so those movies mm, tell me right. everything, all of the things I've seen, all of the movies mm. by watching the trailers, right? And a simple favor did not do that. No, it didn't. It was a it was a surprise. It I told me as much as I happening. needed to know. This yeah. movie has Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick, and it's directed by Paul Feig. And I was like, well, I'm going to watch that, <laughs> like. <laughs> Even if my, and I am, I have not done this, so I've mm-hmm. got a month to do it if I really want to do it, but my, uh, my resolution, uh-huh. my uh, oh, pop culture resolution was to watch all of Anna Kendrick's movies, and I have probably 15 that I still need to see, so. Well, I put one in your, your DVR box. What is that? Oh, it's the one the, with Sam Rockwell? No, the blasphemous one that I won't watch Oh, right, you. the apocalypse one. Blasphemous. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, I yeah I'm behind. I have seen more than half of her movies. Right. I have to go back and find Camp. That's like the first thing she was ever in. Really? They talked about it on Unabashedly Obsessed, so I know it's out there in the world. Is that something they were obsessed about, Anna Kendrick? They're obsessed about it. Anna She's Kendrick. tiny. Yes. She's very tiny. She's also from Maine. <laughs> they like things from Maine. Stephen okay. King and Anna Kendrick. Things from Maine. But also things from Oakland. Tom Hanks. Blake Lively does look like a different species of human being next to her. Yes. She looks, there's this giant, gorgeous thing in this small, and tiny, fine-bone really, thing. And I really, I've seen all of Gossip Girl. Uh-huh. Brag. Uh, but <laughs> um, I've liked the things she's done since then. I didn't mind her in that, but it's mm. so fluffy that right. it's hard to sort of judge acting chops. But I think she's a delightful person. Uh, and I really like that shark movie. <laughs> and I didn't even recognize. I really her. liked her. In There's this. a weird kind of. Oh, you see this in her opening scene that film. This weird kind of reference to Sergio Leone with the mascara and the 
Almost, yeah, there's like references to Sergio Leone. There seems to be some to John Woo. This is in A Simple Plan? Yeah, a lot of references to French thrillers like Diabolique, you know. Yeah. um, Don't give too much away. No, yeah, I haven't said anything, but it's very good. But it's very good. And then A Quiet Place, I... Love that movie, too. Really love Emily Blunt, especially... Mm -hmm. You love a blunt. I don't want to say especially after certain things, because like... Everything I've seen her in, mm. she's been spectacular, including things like she's great in The Devil Wears Prada. Right. Uh, she's supposed to be a bitch. Nailed. Good job. Uh, and then, you know, that weird time movie with Looper. that has two names? No, I'm not talking about Looper. Oh, not Looper. I'm talking about it's Live, Die, y- Repeat. Oh, I thought it was like the younger version of Looper that came back to kill the older version the of The Edge of Tomorrow, I believe, oh, is the name the of the movie changed, until it right. was released in digitally, and then they called it Live, Die, Repeat, uh-huh. which is a better name, yeah. but it's not a good name. But Edge of Tomorrow was a garbage name. Live, so. Die, Repeat sounds like a But that's what happens in the... That's a little spoilery, though. Right. Uh, but I really liked that movie. Like that movie mm. was way better than a movie Nick called either The Edge of Tomorrow well, no, or Lift. I, I liked it just because you see Tom Cruise's heroics just fail just repeatedly fail. over oh, and right. over again. It was kind of fun. Yeah, but A Quiet Place. Uh-huh. I like a good horror movie. Uh-huh. I'm going to until it is proven the other way. I am going to live in what may be willful ignorance that this movie is not about the panic of white people, mm-hmm. um, as I heard. And was much talked about on the internet that that's, it's the panic of white. People. Yes, it is supposed to be a fucking metaphor for, uh, you can't say anything in these politically correct times. Oh, I thought panic. And was, if you do, so yeah. it, there's a white supremacist take on the film. take on the film. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's intentional with the filmmaking, and I hope right. that it is not. Uh, so I'm going to live in willful no, ignorance no. here. As if I can tell you briefly a story that makes me laugh when I think about that. Person. Okay. The screenwriter for the original film, The Hunting, um, he gets to confront Shirley Jackson, he says, and say, hey, you know what? I really got the book. I got the book. The slamming doors, the Why knocking Why does he feel the, the need to call this confronting? Not confronting, but okay. it better. <laughs> like, says, that seems very adversarial <laughs> right. for and no reason. And he had this reading of her book that goes... Wait, I got it. I was like halfway through your book. I got it. This is about, this is about the door slamming and the hammering on the doors. It's about being in an asylum. This is an asylum story. She's in an asylum. This is all in her head. Oh, it's a real Sin it City take. And no, what's oh, the no, movie I'm thinking um, of? And it's okay. Uh, Sucker Punch. Or, yes. Yeah. So it was called it Switchblade. And then she just looks at him and goes. No, but that's very interesting. Like, yeah. I didn't think of that, but and I guess I you can read it that I think that things way. can be viewed with these lenses, even if the artist says, no, right. that's not what I was doing. Like, I like the idea of watching Drag Me to Hell from the point of view yes. of a bulimia story uh-huh. uh, or an eating disorder story. That's, like, legit. And also watching Ferris Bueller, like, um, uh, like a fight club situation right. <laughs> where Ferris Bueller is Tyler Durden. Um, so is uh, The Mighty Quinn. Where Robert Townsend might I've never seen completely be oh, right. fabricated by Denzel Washington, like his repressed urges become yeah. another person. So I like these readings, right. even if they're not necessarily right. true. I don't like this prescribed reading, so I'm going to choose to think that it's just a cool ass. It uh, is a, a monster story right. or like it's horror a great story, horror film with some very good face acting. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it, it keys up the suspense to an unbearable. Yes. And the children point. are very good in it. Uh-huh. I like to see sign language wherever I can. So I appreciated that. Right. And uh, yeah, no, I just thought it was so good. Jasmine Kaziski looking so worried. <laughs> so worried. Too. Those eyebrows, woof, they do a lot of work. Uh, when Jack in the Box is that film too? Jack in the Box? Little baby named Jack. Oh, in yes. The box. In the Box. <laughs> I think I said that out loud in the theater, didn't I? <laughs> It's not good. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I hey, they should have figured out a problem for the monsters before they had a baby. I'm just saying. Anyway, well, that's like the. It's the definitely trope. an anti-choice movie because I feel like <laughs> she would have planned B if she could have. We're not making light of abortion. No, I'm just we saying. are. It seems not. like a bad time to well, have. Well, it's a child. also a trope. I remember Apocalypto. You know, you're being chased by these characters. And your wife gets thrown down a well, and she starts and giving birth. And she gives birth, yeah. Like, well, okay, what else could happen? But, like, babies are, like, loud. Right, And there are many, many stories of people having to smother their children. Uh, and I would never want, like, no, that's terrible, and mm-hmm. I don't want to think about it. So I'm going to try not to do that. And my third movie. Mm. For something completely different. What? Blind spotting. I love it so much. It was a great movie. It's so good. I bought it digitally, so I own nothing. But (laughs) Amazon has my money for it. And I like this one mostly, well, many reasons. The writing is very good. The setting is very uh, personal. Mm -hmm. And I just love it so much. It's so good. And it it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. Right. It it dealt with things in really interesting and very real ways, and it did not go the way that I thought it was going to go. And I love it so much. It's a great film. I, I don't. I'm really curious if people outside of the Bay Area will really it'll have as much impact with them. Although it is a really great story, but it's so local. It's so much about it being. It is, in that. but it's also about police violence. Uh, well, and I mean, the larger story is being pushed out of your own neighborhood. Yeah. About um, racism. Yeah. And it's not just about racism. It's not preaching to you. I think the movie is going to probably not do as well with white people who don't know non-white people. Mm -hmm. Like suburban white people who don't have large or even any black people. Mm -hmm. I, I think that the interplay of white and black... A white and person of color, but specifically black, because that's Tubby Diggs is a black man. And the performances, God, the performances in that movie are so, so good. good. They're so good, y'all. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I tell everybody I think they should watch it. They might not get as much as maybe some other people would get mm-hmm. out of it, but I think it's definitely worth watching. Just the performances and the the rap, mm-hmm. like. David Diggs' flow at the end of this movie is intense. <laughs> it's intense and it's personal and it's it's confrontational. They did a great job. I, the director. I don't know who the director was. I mind. Confront uh, shot this really confrontationally where he's speaking directly to you. Yes. And that really it, it made it really personal. I really like that film. And also, it's a film noir. Effectively, this is the modern direction of film noir. It's about urban decay. It's about 
being displaced. Yeah. Oh, Carlos Lopez Estrada is the name of the director. No relation. Um, to Eric Estrada. Oh, I I don't know that. <laughs> How do you know? Um, I'm just taking a wild guess here. But I also like a movie that two people write and then star in. Like I like that sort of dynamic. That's why I like the first Saw so much. Uh-huh. Like I just like the idea that these two dudes were like, "Well, fuck you! If nobody's gonna hire us, we're making our own movie." Right. And That's I think awesome. it's the best way to go. Um, and these two had been writing this movie for a very long time before they finally did it. And I like that they also filmed it in like the amount of time that the movie takes place in. They filmed it in like two weeks or something, maybe less than that. Yeah, and I've it takes place over like three days. The shooting was what twenty-two days of shooting schedule, which is kind of typical. But it was shot all around the Bay Area. Yeah, and there are corners of it. There are niches of the Bay Area. And between this and um, sorry to bother you. Yeah, we got to see nearly every Oakland. <laughs> nearly so every neighborhood Oakland. in Oakland, except maybe for the hills, get represented. Well, the hills got a little bit represented because they were moving stuff. Oh, that's right. There. At the very end, they're moving. St- well, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Okay, so those are my three movies that were my favorites of this year that I saw. Now, I'd like to give, like, I won't mention the same ones that you did, so I was trying to find something around it because... I gave you my list. I cheated. Yeah, so I would say, and these are not necessarily, again, I'm not going to mention a film that I really like, like Black Panther, which is one, or Jurassic World. Y'all know. Jurassic World had so many dinosaurs. It did. It's his favorite thing. A lovely dinosaur movie. But Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. You love dogs? I love dogs. (laughs) Which was Wes Anderson's film. um, That I have not seen. So this is one where we split because it's not on my have seen list. Beautiful stop motion animation, which has a remarkable quality for life. It's I love the uncanniness of stop motion animation. I used to do it. It required so much patience. But um, but that's a really great story, and it's just odd enough. A boy who goes looking for his dogs, there's a secret plan to exile all dogs in Japan to some outer islands. Made by the cats, right? Right, made by yeah. people who are cat fanciers and the cats themselves. And... Um, He's so whimsical. Sorry, no, I just I have a, I there, have my own issues with what Sam said. It looks beautiful. From it what is I've beautiful seen. looking, and there's so many neat bits about the dogs themselves. Yeah, I know that they all have very interesting personalities. Right, and the fact that they just sort of realize they can't help but love an 11 year old boy. It's like that's what we're supposed to do. We're put on earth to love 11 year old boys. But um, also the weird kind of skewing of Japanese culture that's never disrespectful, mm-hmm. but it's very, like, entrenched. Like, this was written by somebody who knew Japanese pop culture and culture very, very well. And yeah. uh, and so it's never kind of offensive. It's very funny and very playful, but it's never mocking this culture. But it's a beautiful-looking movie. The other one was The Black Klansman, which I really, yes, really like. Black Klansman. No, um, the, just Black Klansman. Oh, Black Klansman. Which was um, just... Really Spike Lee coming back to being right. Spike Lee, which Spike was nice. <laughs> He because you know he hits or he misses he swings wide yes and he really hit it this time and I there are scenes in that film where I don't think there wasn't a person crying in the audience yeah it was affecting you 
And the I way will that, say that now that I've gotten a little bit of distance, that mm-hmm. end scene is pretty manipulative. But at the same time, I think but it's important because it's moving you. You're you. not wrong because it's like, hey, Look, do you think that that shit was crazy not 40 years thing, ago? Right? Yeah. This is still going on. And so no, for sure. I know you. it was important, but I, I do kind of am now right. like... But see, because that wasn't for you, I think, the ending. The ending wasn't for me or you. The ending was to remind people who said, well, this is a period piece. This happened in the past to be able to wake them up to, no, it's happening right now. It's happening. The same language is being used, the same sort of dog whistle politics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I really love the performances in that movie. The acting was really fun, too. There was a lot of fun interplay between the characters in this movie where you like them and then you kind of take a step back when they make the wrong decisions sometimes. And, and yeah, it was really good. And then one that I think we talked about it surprised me with Suspiria because I was, It's you can't say that you're a fan of the original movie because it's just gruesome as hell, but it is a finely made nightmare, but it's like any nightmare, completely incoherent. Things make utterly no sense. People don't seem to be listening to each other in conversation. Um, they're just sort of talking at each other. Yeah. Scenes are really weirdly staged, but this movie kind of made it all a coherent narrative. Yes. And and rewarded you with a plot. Yes. And so for that, you actually got to have some sympathy for the characters. Yeah. More so than you did even in the original. So at first I was yeah, ready the to... Other one, the, the original very much is like watching a fever dream. Right. While you're watching it, you're like, am I high right now? Right, or exactly. What's ha- what is in front of me? And what am I supposed to be gleaming from it? There's right. a lot of disjointedness and things like that and it does very much feel like you'd be watching a normal movie high right. but you're not high it's the movie yeah it's, the film has its doesn't have a, a sustaining logic whereas this one does and it has, Tilda Swinton is amazing yeah I've always thought she was amazing she plays I think three parts in this film um yes in some of the most convincing makeup I've ever seen yes um, for reasons for reasons? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no reason for her to be one of the characters that she is. Right. I get why she's two of the characters that she is. But that third character, who is a main character in the film, mm-hmm. there's yeah. no reason except now there are no men in major roles in this film. Right. And I think that works I mean, is that the reason? what the film is about. Yeah, I It suppose. really does work. And so it turns the kind of feeling of misogyny from the original film at times completely on its head. But yeah, that was uh, that was my choice. Although Pacific Rim, the sequel, kind of was edging in there, but I think the intensity of Suspiria kind of won me over. So was that three? That was three. What was the... Isle of Dogs, Black Clansman. Black Clansman and, and, and Suspiria, and, um, that's right. Suspiria. Nah. Do you want to go first on TV so I don't bite your style? I only have two. Okay. Um that really stood out because I want to recommend The Alienist, but it is so... I want you to. Right. Because I was going to do that, but then I was like... It is... Because it is like there's... It's very violent. It's very violent. It's weirdly sexual. There's hey, some very strange things Unless there. we say otherwise, the things we recommend, very violent. Especially right. TV now. Yeah. The stuff that's been on television recently has been, by and large... Mm-hmm. A very violent or um, not sexually suggestive, but like 
Well, sometimes it's actually explicit. Yeah. I'm surprised by how explicit the Marvel stuff is. I feel yeah. like. So, but uh, yeah, I think the Alienist is very, very good. Right. Especially if you like the book. I didn't know that was a book. Uh-huh. I didn't know. I want to read it now. If only I could read. But yeah, so just be warned. This is about a New York full of uh, sort of racism, racism, <laughs> and prostitution, and it's just about the lower level of society and a person who doesn't seem to understand how to relate to other people. In that way, he's almost, but not quite. He's like sh- proto autistic, right? But he's almost not quite Sherlock Holmes. I'm glad that because at first I was like, okay, this is going to be another. Pseudo Holmes. But it's not. But it's not. It is. It's absolutely not because unlike Holmes, he's trying to make the effort to relate to people and still kind of control and manipulate them because this is where he's most comfortable. And the people fight against him. You know, there's a lot of fighting back and there's some really good performances in it. Um, but the other things I would recommend, again, very violent, is The Purge. Oh, yeah. We have which, to finish that. <laughs> which is a really. Um, or did you finish it without? No. Okay. Which is in the culture, in modern culture, the modern political climate and culture. A little too close to home. It is very close to home, which makes it hard to watch at times. But you understand the logical extension of the kind of cultural violence and, and religious hypocrisy that we do have. Yeah. You just nudge it a little bit more and this is what you yeah. get. And this is the world that you'll be living in. And the other one is a show that we mentioned before together a lot of, a lot of times, 911. Yeah. Which was an unexpected, beautiful surprise because quite often these these are the same people who make American Horror Story. Yeah, which is a show that at times is... Sometimes we bail in the middle right. of the season. I think see we bail in hotel, the middle of, Right. See, what was the last one? Uh, right. uh, the election one? It right. was an election. But, and now you don't want to watch any more of them, so you got to tell I'm me because like, I will watch more of them right. without you, but you, I haven't. You tell me if it gets any better because that... Okay, so I yeah. should. Good. I um because it's just the characters are so unlikable at times. You know, I think with uh, oh yeah, when when the last season cult was right. that what it was? There was a turn in like episode four or five where right. we find out that the other party was a, as much of a garbage person as the right. first one was. I was like, oh, so everyone in here is garbage? Well, I don't care well, then. It was freak show that turned me around on on watching the show because the main character murders half of the cast. Yeah. And, and then, then we're the supposed to still be... Yeah. And we're supposed to like her in like the last three episodes. Like she's killed it. All, you know, a bunch of innocent characters. Like why am I on her side yeah. or why do I care what happens to her? So I think they take it overboard sometimes on that yeah. show. But 911 is... But 911 is the exact opposite. It's But it's... 911 and Ryan Marcy, mm. M- Murphy... Murphy. Murphy. Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. They make wildly different things but 911 feels like you know what it feels like a little bit like glee and nip tuck had a baby <laughs> i only saw a few episodes of nip tuck uh-huh. so i'm 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 pulling the sort of visceral mm-hmm. things from that but it isn't i mean these are their properties so that's sort of why well, i'm nip-tuck going is also there very sinister though this is very, it is yeah that's why i'm saying with glee on top of it right uh, because there's nothing sinister in glee just singing well <laughs> Rachel is a little sinister, but what are you going to do? It's like Final Destination meets Glee or well, something yeah, like that. Because yeah. the, the scrapes that we have our heroes getting people out of are bonkers. Right. But the important part is the people who are the heroes are actual heroes. They yes. have their problems. 
They have their flaws, but these are people who consistently rise to the challenge. And they're also actual people, because they also actually make mistakes and do right. dumb shit and get other things in trouble and make right. bad choices but in their personal situations. They're not situations. fighting. They're not, these are people who learned that they have to work together as a team. And, and yes, I actually care what happens to them. Yeah. And when they make mistakes, you feel kind of disappointed. You get invested with what happens to yeah. these people. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's, and, and occasionally, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the, um, the episode about the, the man who gets pinned under his fence. Oh, yeah, woof. Um, and then I cried. And, and then, then you mocked me. Well, very no, rude. And I didn't mean to mock you. I didn't mock you at a, a You did. You literally All turned right. to me and said, it's a television show. Right. I need to remind you. I felt I the, knew it was I a television know, I'm show. I'm sorry. Also, I was, though, I was having anti-Nielchen feels so yes. there. But yeah, it, it, it has some really beautiful moments. Um, I won't go much further than that, though. Yeah, and the... I'm going to harp on it because I think it needs to be harped on. The diversity of the cast is awesome. Mm-hmm. Gay, straight, black, white, Latino, Asian. But all of those things. All of them. They are it's the world. Great. So what are your recommendations? Uh, my three? You, my uh-huh. TVs? Okay. So one is a TV thing. Well, no, two of them are TV things. One is a TV thing that's been on for a while, though. This is, I think, the fifth season, fourth season of Madam Secretary. It's a television show that's, I think, on CBS. It starts Tia Leone, who I used to hate. Mm. And Why? Tim Daly. I think I hated her when I was a teenager because she was married to David Duchovny, and I might have been mad about it. <laughs> Why don't you love me? When I was, like, 14 or something. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. In her earlier stuff, I didn't really like her. I love her on this show. It has Tim Daly on it. That's the brother of Tyne Daly. Yes, brother. Sorry, Tyne, but he uh, looks way better God. than you do. Yeah. Um, but he pushes for them to work together on something all the time. It's funny. Like, every time I see him interviewed, he's like, Tyne's my sister, and we'd love to work together. <laughs> like, like, he's got an open and job ask on Indeed or something. Just me and my sister. She's the Secretary of State. David Carradine, nope. Yep. Nope. David Carradine's gone. Keith? Keith or Robert. It would it's have Keith. To be. Okay. It's not Robert. Okay. Keith Carradine. I get the Carradines mixed up and I apologize. There are, none of them also are Scott Glenn, so here we are. Um, <laughs> Keith Carradine, then, is the president. <laughs> What? My mom was convinced that David Carradine was the star of Silverado until I explained to him that was Scott Glenn. I explained to her that it was, was Scott, Scott Glenn. Glenn. Really, she, they looked like that really when they were younger too. Oh well, yeah, because she'd seen David Carradine in westerns a lot too, and it just for some reason she's like, "Wow." Because I really think that Scott Glenn, especially what he looked like in um, Castle Rock, right? Castle Rock he looks like one of the brothers. Like he looks like he could be related to. Yeah, he does. The Carradine boys. Although I don't know what Robert Carradine is. I mean, I don't know who that is. I've never seen him. So, uh, this show, she's Matt, she's the Secretary of State. He's the President. Tim Daly plays her husband. It's great, y'all. It's like, it's like a current West Wing. It's like they're going after white supremacists and Russians. And they're, like, every episode making just blatant jabs at the current administration which is just it's nice <laughs> so so i really like that show uh, she's gonna run for president 
Oh, she makes it. It that would be really nice. depends on whether or not they get picked up. And then I don't know what they'll call it, because... Madam President. I mean, yeah, but do you rebrand all your shit? I don't know. The second thing uh-huh. is making it. It's the crafting show that's like the Great British Bake Off. Oh, good, because I thought you were recommending porn. No. What? No. It's called Making It. <laughs> Amy Poehler, Nick Offerman, enough stuff. It's just crafty people doing crafty things, and it's lovely, and I love it. They had one season. It was eight episodes. I watched it all like this. <laughs> and they're doing some more. Uh, it's what I need when the news is trash, and I can't take it anymore. Just give me Amy Poehler and some overalls and people making lovely outdoorscapes out of food or something. They made she shits. All right. And the third thing, I was going to say just the Marvel shit on Netflix. Oh, that's a good, yeah. Uh, and I do stand behind, and I know, every ep- every show has a season that's a little, eh, that's not true, Jessica Jones does that. But I really like them. Mm-hmm. I like what they've done. I like the characters. Even Foggy. People apparently What's don't like Foggy. I don't foggy? know. I like Foggy. I think it might be the actor. People don't like the actor. I don't okay. know. I don't know. Oh, We're in the I, middle I, of Daredevil I, season three. I'm enjoying now, it. Daredevil, I think, and Jessica Jones have had the best consistent seasons. Yeah. Um, I think that um, after the, the great pity is Luke Cage season two, people uh, had problems with Iron Fist season one, and sometimes season two, people had problems with. Right. Um. I liked, I think Luke Cage season two was actually better. It had a stronger villain. Well, it had one villain for the whole season. Right. So. A, yeah, it didn't just switch in the middle, and then suddenly there's another villain in the last like, episode. Mahershala, no! Right. <laughs> That's how I wake up screaming. <laughs> Mahershala, no! Oh, speaking of which, just a quick sidebar. There's a True Detective preview up. Yeah. Uh, that starts in January, and I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so the Marvel and Netflix shows are good, but I am going to actually push for Castle Rock. I think I really liked it, even even though I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I talked about it for a whole hour with James and Aaron on an episode of Unabashedly Obsessed for October, so check that out. Um, we don't solve anything. Well, you can't. So It's not meant to be solved. Just but I'm looking it. forward to see what they do for season two. Uh, I love Stephen King. Please make a talisman book. I mean, movie. Hashtag let me write it. <laughs> I really would like to write the talisman movie. I think I would be really good at adapting a Stephen King book to screen. And hell, it's not like... The worst possible adaptations haven't been made. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. That's what I should have done for NaNoWriMo. I should have faked it and just done a fucking screenplay instead. The Talisman's real good. It would make an awesome movie. They've, it's been in, in development for 15 years. Really? Yeah. It got bought a while ago. I was like, yay. And then I was like, mmm. Nothing's ever gonna happen. <laughs> never gonna tell. And then sometimes thing. people have a vested interest in making something that's come out of development hell fail. Yeah. I. Well, e. John also, Carter. 
I will say example of the Talisman should be a miniseries. Right. Well, yeah, like really most should. things, King, he's, they're too long. He's Dickensian. Mm-hmm. There's twenty major characters, and so he, even in his short stories or novelettes, there's twenty major. In the characters. novellas, for sure, yeah. yeah. The short stories can be movies. The novellas can usually be made into a movie, but even like the Langoliers was two-parted. Yeah. And that's not a full novel. It's a novella. It's not particularly good either. (laughs) Well, I think that the animation of the Langoliers made it particularly weird. But anyways, Mm -hmm. they also just talked about that on an episode of Unabashedly Obsessed. So we're just biting their style all over the place. It's because we love them. Uh, but Castle Rock. So Castle Rock, Madam Secretary, and Making It. Those are my three. Okay. Favorite things on TV and streaming. With a shout out to Marvel shows on Netflix because I'm a sucker. And also get them while they're hot because they're going away. And now our third topic. And this one is a macro topic. Because it's our one year anniversary in podcasting. One year, it's so hard to believe. So I didn't make uh, Lemuel come up with three of the, his favorite podcasts um, because he does not listen to podcasts like I listen to podcasts. He just have to say what I told him to say. No, no, I do listen to them, but I, yeah, I, I, I listen so to like nine a day, them. and right. you listen to like one a week because you don't have the same kind of. Well, I didn't have the time space for it before. I'm getting that. back into it now. So um, it's just my favorite three things about podcasting for the last year. And the first thing, my first thing is guesting on other shows. Now, my first thing is not this show, (laughs) because I thought that that would be a cheap, hacky way to answer the question. So I've been lucky enough to be a guest on three shows this year. I want to be a guest on more shows. I really love it. Um, And I love... Uh, finding um, sort of collaboration through the podcasting groups I found online, largely through the McElroy family of shows and other Max Fun shows. Actually, uh, the Flophouse has a podcasting group that I'm a part of. All of these people are lovely. They put up their shows, so I get to listen to their vast array of things that they are doing. And then I get to sometimes go and talk about Futurama or Castle Rock or Sweet November. Those are the three things that I talked about this year. What will 2019 hold for me? Probably a lot more. I think that you are an exceptional personality. And it's always fun to work with you because there's all sorts of things going on in your head. You're kissing up like I'm going to make you sound bad. If no, you're no, no. You can make me sound bad. I don't care. I'm the editor of the show, so. Right. Oh. I want that to be my ringtone now. You can make me sound bad. I don't care. Um, so that's my first thing, is I like going on other people's podcasts okay. and talking to them for an hour, an hour and a half about something silly, mm-hmm. making jokes. That's a good time. My number two thing is PodCon, past and future. So I went to PodCon last year. It was in, de- in December, which if you guys can visit... a city you've never been to make it during december they everything's decorated and beautiful Mm. Uh, also it doesn't snow in seattle really so it didn't snow i was deathly ill during the time so i still haven't even been to pike's market 
we're rectifying it with PodCon 2, which is next year. So it's a little bit of a cheat. But I got to meet a bunch of people. I'm going to meet more of them this year that I've been talking to on the internet for all year. Uh, very supportive, very lovely, lots of live shows, lots of workshops and things on how to do better in podcasting. Be better. Be, be better. Best. Be best. That's our goal. Is be best. Be best. Be bester. Bestest. <laughs> right. Bestest. There we go. Be our bestest. Uh, and, you know, there's the ongoing chance that I will run into Roman Mars or one of the McElroy <laughs> boys. And let's not pretend that that isn't thrilling and exciting and great. Uh, Taylor Smurl was right behind me on an escalator and I almost had a fucking panic attack. <laughs> so. See, it's easier for me because I, I don't I know. I try what and any keep these, the fangirl on the inside. I don't know you what don't any know of these people, people look like, actually. I hear them all the time, but I don't know what they look like, so I wouldn't recognize them if I saw them. That's probably for the Well, best. if you see them right. do their show, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty easy to pick them out of the crowd. But I got Lemuel to come with me, so he's coming with me to PodCon. We're both going to be at PodCon. She needs too. a bodyguard. I'm so excited. I didn't need a bodyguard last year except from the flu that I had. <laughs> Um, so that is my second mm-hmm. favorite podcasting thing from the year. And my third favorite thing is trying new things. And that involves me and spreadsheets and making <laughs> thumbnails. And I I want to make 17 different shows, but I'm going to try and put them all into one. And you've got an idea to do another show that I'm going to help with. And we're going to make all the podcasts, more podcasts. More podcasts. That's my third favorite thing this year. More podcasts. Well, I um, I actually liked because I wasn't familiar with the podcast world until you got me into it, and um, so I, I'm very appreciative because I think that I didn't do a very good job in the very beginning. And I almost say, want to say that one of my favorite moments of our last year was the moment we stopped reviewing Twin Peaks. Yeah, I had it was a rough n- way to start. No idea what I was doing, and then to just just week after week have almost nothing to say because like You're just other like, than this I really show is half, half of the happening episode. to us, right? Because <laughs> it was always there's a dozen characters and only three of them are interesting to me, and the rest of the time are just people going around doing these sort of. Weird machinations and... Uh, hey, listen back to our Twin Peaks episode. Right. They're crazy. And, you know, the three young kids who keep screwing everything up. And, and like, I, I didn't get what was going on. I couldn't follow it. So I think it was a rough beginning for me to jump into it and go, I'm, I'm not sure how enthusiastic I am about commenting on a show that I don't quite like yeah. and not really knowing what I'm doing. Too. Yeah, yeah. And I think it got a lot better after we changed the format from that particular show. I know that we'll go back and do some television in the future. Yes, and I think I'm hopeful that our next choice will be better mm-hmm. and we'll change some things. But you've also been doing this for a year now. Right, so I'm much more comfortable with it, than I, uh, more comfortable than I was, of course, when I started. It only makes sense. But um, I really liked uh, of the experiences I've had with you. It's me. I really liked um, the interview episode. Because oh, yeah. that was one that he sort of gave me the reins, gave me the reins rather, to, well, what do you want to talk about? And to sort of interview each other because I realized that the audience doesn't necessarily know who we are because we don't have a public life. 
um, which actually I'm glad for, but uh, we got to talk to each other about things. And I think I even discovered things about you that I didn't know, even after having known you for years and years and years. You know you could just ask me a question. No, no. That's, <laughs> it must be done in podcast form. Oh, good. No talking um, until the mics are on. Uh, and another moment that I really liked was uh, the uh, our episode on All in the Family. That was a good episode. Because it, That was an intense episode of was, television. It was an intense episode of television followed by an intense episode of podcasting. And we, that you get you I gave you the reins for that one too. Right. We just but we really got into discussing the topic, going over it, what was right, what was wrong, introducing you to something that you were not familiar with, which was a huge part of American culture. Yeah. Especially when I was growing up. You know, it changed television and this particular episode was one of the episodes that changed television. And the other thing, um, was just recently the Changeling episode that we did. Yes. In which both of us just sort of went wildly off the rails and began throwing punches That's at That's our air. political episode. Yes, and I remember you mentioning that you had to bring the microphone down because we just lost it. We're screaming at our, uh, shaking our fists at the world, and that was really, it felt like I was part of a moment right then. So, yeah, eventually it has, I feel bad about how poorly I did at the very beginning. But I didn't know what I was you doing. I feel do a lot better. Poorly, but you were a little closed off, and I like to see this openness. Uh, it's good. Uh, I give it two thumbs up. I had to change my voice too, which I wasn't happy about. But well, as long as you're not actively, um, there's a quality to my voice which is professorial. You're channeling <laughs> your character, and it's not a good look <laughs> because it really sounds like you're being a condescending prick. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to that. Right, everyone? No, no one wants to listen to that. I really want to listen to a condescending prick. (laughs) All right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of our one-year anniversary episode. Our benchmark episode. And, um, of course, really our favorite thing is our listeners. Hi, we believe that you exist. Actually, they do exist, don't they? I assume so. Okay. I hope so. The numbers say that there are some people that listen to the show. (laughs) It's not just me downloading it a bunch of times. So we love you. And you're our favorite. And yeah. So now we're going to dive into December. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week's going to be a rough one. Yep. We're going to be watching The Deer Hunter, which I found out today is a three hour and three minute long movie. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably need a drink <laughs> to watch that, or three, maybe one per hour. Uh, so that's going to be next week. It's uh, a spoiler or warning. Uh, I'm pretty sure this movie is real hard to watch, and I'm sure there will be more content warnings next week. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. We're recording it on Friday. We'll be watching it after that. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to be like. I, I've never seen the movie, and I've um, seen one scene of the movie. It's the mm-hmm. it's a notorious scene, and I watched it in an abnormal psychology class. So, but that's kind of like watching a notorious scene out of, let's say, uh, Deliverance or something. Yes, which actually was a good episode. You of don't scene. see, yeah, the no. I that's right. I don't mm-hmm. know where in the movie it comes. But I don't know what the it, context is. I think that's kind of horrible. I mean, just being having this thrust at you that. that Mm, yeah. That wasn't the least favorite scene that I saw. I think Blue Velvet was a uh, more upsetting scene to me. 
when in that class. Uh-huh. Uh, hashtag favorite college class. <laughs> I love that abnormal Although psychology. it's a good example of abnormal psychology. Yes. No, that's... Yeah. On the part of the director. The professor. Very good at his job. Um, so that's going to be next week. And we're really going to do it. It's not going to be a babe pig in the city situation. Take <laughs> uh, you out in the audience. And uh, the week after that, we're doing Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Dirty for Rotten Scoundrels. a change of pace. Thank God. So that's going to do it this week. For this week. We are very grateful. Yes, we are. For what anyone we who to listens to, to this show. That means you. you. Yes, you in the earbuds. Right there. Looking at your computer. I assume they're in their car. <gasps> some people are painting. Yes, some people are I painting. know that's real. Mm, some awesome. people are printing. Some people are painting. Some people are printing. We have Bohemian friends. If you have questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com or tweet at us at latecomerspod on Twitter. Tweet at tweet us. At tweet us. At us. Okay. I said it correctly. No, uh, no, I'm I'm admiring your diction. And you should look out for our forthcoming podcasts. Yours doesn't have a name. Yes, it doesn't. Not yet. We're thinking about stuff. It's going to be about current events and religion, right? Mm-hmm. Or religion and current events, right? Maybe in that order. And I have an upcoming podcast, No For Reels. It's going to be called <laughs> Microcosm. I've been working on it for a year. So <laughs> You're I going think to I'm, build an empire. I think I'm narrowing it down. So hopefully those will both come right. out um, before PodCon, uh-huh. which is mid-January. So we'll give you more information as that becomes a thing. And we have a Facebook page and group. Please join us to poke fun at our ridiculousness. We'll put memes about our favorite things in there. I will do that. A picture of Godzilla. And I think that's the last thing. You can buy Lemuel's book, Ceiling Night, on Amazon. Mm. Okay, that's all. (laughs) Thank you so much, and remember, better Better late late than than never. never. I forgot how to end it. Stop. Please stop.